yeah, a short is not inherently wrong. It, it, it can be misused. It can, it, it can have some, I mean, I, I know people assign morals, positive and negative morals to something. So if someone can go in with ill intentions on a short, but it's, it's a tool. The same way that a hammer is a tool that you can bash someone's brains in with or build a house with, it's a tool. All a short really is, is it's selling borrowed shares. Uh, the reason why it's different than purchasing a stock is that you have unlimited downside potential. So if you short a company and it grows to infinity, your losses are infinite. Whereas if you buy stock of a company, you can only go down to zero and lose the investment that you put down. Uh, so again, it's a short is not something I ever recommend. It's definitely speculative trading. It's, in my opinion, a great way to lose money, but I wouldn't say it's inherently wrong to do if you truly, if you truly believe a company is overvalued and you're betting against it. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think I did not have the greatest understanding of the psychology of institutionalized shorting, you know, people betting against the health of companies, especially companies like a GameStop or an AMC theaters, um, you know, something that was affected by the pandemic where, you know, maybe a, a, a financial institution or two or several would say, hey, listen, uh, I think this particular stock price is a bit overpriced and I'm betting that people are going to come to their senses and this is going to fall. The issue and what happened, which I find amusing, I really do. And I also think that it's going to levy some sort of unwarranted attention uh, by showing that it can be done this way. But the idea that people on a social media platform were able to coordinate, and I don't want to use the word collude in a negative connotation because that's the way it's being used, because I don't believe that's what it is if Wall Street can do it as well. But people got together, they clicked up, and they basically called the bluff of the people betting against those stocks and they squeezed them and they ran that price up. And when the call came, a lot of those institutions were on the hook for that. And that's what yeah. happened with GameStop. Yeah, and it's because when you're doing something like shorting, uh, they're, they're like minimum maintenance uh, fees, they're minimum ma margin maintenance that you have to maintain. So off the top of my head, God, you're, yeah, I feel like I'm taking another quiz again. It's a 30% for a short. So, so if you want to open up an options account, uh, it's 50% you need to put down 50% of what you're trying to purchase and you can uh, use 50% leverage. Uh, part of the reason why the Great Depression happened is because I think it used to be you only needed to put down 2% and you could actually leverage 98% or purchase stocks and shorts back in the 1920s on 98% credit. So after the depression, they up the, they up the minimum uh, to 50% to, to open it. And then to maintain it, your minimum for purchasing stocks is 25% for shorting, uh, for shorting or taking a short position is 30. And it's, as far as like what we're looking at here with, with the game stocks, with the game stop situation, Wow, I'm speaking a lot right now. Hope I'm not boring or rambling well, no. too much. Well, to even have to say GameStop, GameStop stock is a mouthful in and of itself. I'm and not so, a rapper. Yeah, well, even if I, look, I am, and I wouldn't put those words together for any purpose other than talking about this particular story. Cannabis but, would. Yeah, there's a bunch of people I think who would be able to pull that off. And well, I might add. Uh, but the thing about this, and, and the reason why we're even talking about this is because this leads us into greater conversations about um, the idea of speculative investing. And if there's a moral uh, 
connotation you can assign to people speculating, whether it's cryptocurrency, whether it's you know actual stocks in the stock market, OTCs, whatever. Uh, you're you're looking at the idea of people speculating the value of things and and projecting out into the future what things will be worth. Uh, I don't know if there is a, a you know moral connotation you can assign to it, whether it's positive or negative. I think it's neutral. I think how people use these tools tool. we talk about exactly is what more I'm going to judge. Now, like you said, you can come into that situation and have nefarious intentions as to why you're betting against that particular company. But I don't think it's wrong to be able to do that. I What I don't like is the fact that it looked like, once again, this collusion we talked about between big tech before when the parlor thing happened. Uh, they went, Discord basically took their Discord server off and it was under the guise of hate speech. And it was like, wait a minute, like, come on people. Like everything can't be this because you were able to use that against that. And what's going to happen is when this sort of stuff happens, you might see more of that from the, the, the big tech gatekeepers that allow people to have platforms where they can coordinate like that. So, I mean, this situation is a little dif different in my opinion, because, and, I, and I'm not an expert on the situation. I haven't read everything on it, but to my understanding, Robinhood was selling uncovered calls, uh, which as we mentioned before, the gains are unlimited in an uncovered call. A call is, a, is an obligation to the person who purchases the call that let's just say, and I'm not going to use actual companies here. I'll just keep, I'll just use like ABC, XYZ sort of examples. If you, if you buy an option of ABC stock, for $10 and it's currently trading at five and then the stock goes up to 20, that means that you bought that option and you're able to buy that stock now for $10, even though it's trading at 20 um, and, and it only costs you the premium. So usually you have to buy these in lots of 100. This is just boring little information, but usually you have to buy them in lots of 100 unless otherwise specified and the premium is set by the, uh, the, the OCC. So as far as what we saw right here, people were purchasing all of these options, driving up the price and Robinhood had to cover and they didn't have the money to do it. So mm. it was, it was, even though they're not admitting it, it was absolutely a liquid, or maybe I can't say it like that. I have reason to believe, and it seems rather suspicious that they are saying it wasn't a liquidity issue because all indicators to me point to a liquidity issue. Right. But then that goes back to what we were talking about before that, which is why then would the mediums and the and the platforms through which the people who coordinated this effort to squeeze that short, why were they taken off their platforms? And now I know Discord has put their server back up and they now Discord is supposedly helping them. But that looked once again, optics. It looked like at the mm. highest levels, the Amazons and the the discords and whoever, whatever companies out there, they can make a call to each other and be like, hey, I need you to pull this off right now. And no questions asked, we'll deal with the bad press because at the end of the day, people will move on to another story. It's gonna be harder without such a polarizing figure in a position of power like Trump to hide certain stories because you could always have this kind of cult of news personality where it's like everyone's interested in the reality show. But listen, some of these stories now are going to be a little bit more interesting now that we don't have a clown to watch every day. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And here's the thing. Both of these are true. I mean, optically, it can look wrong. There can be a liquidity issue and there can be higher ups that are doing nefarious shit. All of those can be true. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's just it's it's a it's a I guess the only thing that I can say with absolute certainty is it's not over. Yeah, that that's about it. Uh, it, it makes me also we can kind of segue into another aspect of this, which is not necessarily financially related, but it oh, is. Oh wait, can I just say one more thing yeah, too? Guys, don't get me in trouble with my work. That nothing I said here was a recommendation to purchase or operate on any stocks or strategies. Don't get me in trouble. I'm just doing the best to, to like answer questions that were given to me. Don't take any of these recommendations with you. I am not a financial expert. I just have a license. That's it. Yeah, and what's crazy is anything you've said, I've read on Investopedia. So it's yeah. not like any of this information is not accessible to anybody out there. It's, I don't think it's financial advice. We're just trying to assess the situation. A lot of people want to know, hey, Greg, what do you think about this? How do you feel about the GameStop situation? And this is kind of my breakdown of it. I just wanted to get that disclaimer out of the way. No, for sure. But it also brings up a, a, a greater question, which is what happens when people can coordinate against larger institutions that are already coordinating against the people. Because so, in my opinion, what the people did on Wall Street Bets, shout out to Wall Street Bets, uh, what people did there was more about their coordination effort and less about what they actually bought, because I think they, within their community, they spotted the opportunity to squeeze that short. So for, for a lot of people, I think, first of all, it was a, a great news story for people to know that people still kind of make money in the stock market so that maybe other people who weren't aware of that could do that. But furthermore, it showed that in concert, in coordination, people can accomplish some pretty powerful things against the institutions out there. And I bet you there was not a lot of, uh, you know, political divisiveness so much as there were maybe financial opportunism that was going on where people are like, hey, I don't care who you voted for, but if you're willing to pump this stock, like we're willing to pump this stock, then we can all get paid. And I think that's kind of what happened. It could be, I, I, I think also, it, so the, the Reddit move was absolutely against uh, a hedge fund that was short or multiple hedge funds that were shorting the company and, and short positions uh, that they've been posting about how you can find that public information. I was going to say, how did they find out that they were shorting it? Who, how did they find out which firms were a part of the big short? That. Uh, so, so they actually have tweeted online on how you can look it up uh, as far as handling that. I think it is important to say, though, that with companies like GameStop, while it's happy to paint it as the little guys on Reddit really stuck it to the hedge funds, especially because what was it? Melvin had to close their doors. Um, also, don't invest in hedge funds. I, like, just don't. They're, they're stupid. Anyway, as far as um, it's as far as uh, that story is concerned, though, it's it sort of disregards the fact that there are large top institutions that hold GameStop. GameStop stocks that didn't short it, that were able to benefit from this price drive that were not coordinating with Reddit and were able to sell their shares for a substantial profit. Mm -hmm. So it, it's definitely not as black and white as small Reddit investors stuck it to this hedge fund one and then cashed out. I mean, we're still seeing some damages right now too of small investors getting completely screwed because they weren't able to pull their money or they were trying to hold the line and then the price just drove down. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the group will always tell you to hodl and, you know, hold. But I feel like you have to do what's in the best interest of you and your investment. And that's in any situation where you have to get into the game. So, um, like you said, it's not over. And I think, I don't know if this is a David versus Goliath situation, or maybe it's just a, you know, a Goliath that doesn't know it's a Goliath versus a Goliath that does know it's a Goliath sort of situation. But, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. I just feel like right now we're seeing the first salvo in the mobilized social media armies against institutions of power. And it's going to be interesting to see how that, that result comes about in the next couple of years. It is interesting to see how that result comes about in the next few years. And it is interesting to see that this is a fight that's taking it to a different sort of arena. Yeah. Uh, what I can also say is anytime that you see a protest, you're going to get more than just peaceful protesters there or just protesters that are looking to uh, move forward with a cause. You're going to have opportunists, you're going to have looters, mm. and you're going to have rioters. Mm. And I think some of the damage that we saw were the equivalent of investing rioters or investing looters that were hopping on with their own agenda, not for some grand unified idea. Mm -hmm. I did not mean to drop the GU tagline no, in there. No, um, it's all right. It's all right. I appreciate the nod. But we're in there who hopped on momentum for their own self-interest and hopped off the momentum for the same reason as well. Uh, so we're, we're going to, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know whether I should say it's cool because it's a case study or it's sad because it's, it goes against the idealism of, of a movement. But the fact remains that anytime you have an organized fight against an institution of power, you're going to have agitators who have their own personal agendas, whether it be to undercut the legitimacy of the cause or to mm. profit off of it. Right. I wonder what this looks like against other sectors of power, like, uh, you know, the surveillance state or uh, big pharma or like the military industrial complex. Like what would this look like to one of those? That would be wild to just sort of think about. Now I know what I'm gonna add in my diary tonight. Um, as far as like what would a movement against the military industrial complex? I mean, well actually that, that's probably- what the prison industrial complex? What would that be like? Like, how would that look? What if, like, I mean, this is just a crazy, just what if hypothetical here, but like, what if, somehow like all the guards across all the prisons in America struck. It's like, you know what? We're tired of being, you know, you know, just cruel and unusual punishment gate holders and stuff like whatever it is, right? Just just the hypothetical or or some situation where, I don't know, big pharma is is coordinated against against some sort of a pocket of the population. I don't know what it looks like, but I didn't know what this looked like. If you would have told me that, oh yeah, a bunch of people on social media would have coordinated to drive up a price on a squeeze or on a short and squeeze, like kind of the other institutions are able to do, then I would have been like, nah, that's crazy. I would have never thought that that could happen. I mean, I think we sort of saw it maybe with it with uh, with the surveillance state or the intelligence state uh, with mm. the with the influx of misinformation uh, over the past. I don't know. I, I, how far back can we go? <laughs> like, cause, cause, cause the, 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 the appeal of the internet was the access to limitless information, which then was sort of, as mentioned before, people came out with their own agendas to either undercut it, to loot, to riot or to profit and, and sell out high. Uh, and we definitely have seen it with that, with the growth of misinformation on the internet, uh, 
people used to go online and get, I don't know, whether it be like cat videos or scholarly articles, now you read something online and for one, the headline is completely different than the article itself. So you don't even know what to believe in the article itself. And, and two, when you finish it, you'll find the, the recommended at the bottom will be something that completely debunks what you just read. What's crazy about that is that like the way that the titles are written these days are written for the clickbait. Like we've already accepted now clickbaity titles that are designed to get you to click on them, not designed to, to feed you any accurate information because ultimately they don't benefit from that. And so you see like uh, whatever it is, whether it's attacking your ideological rival or offering you some sort of a hope if you're on the, the let's say minority demographic side of something where you, know, you have uh, some sort of a, a revolution or big fight to win or something like that um it's pretty crazy like i'm starting to to see i think people go into a direction where they have accepted now that the their sheeps and that they're they want to just pick their shepherds it's like i accept that i'm a i'm a sheep i just want to be able to pick my own shepherd yeah and i actually have a really specific article i had a problem with it was and i'm i I'm trying to find it and pull it up right now, but it was like this article that's clearly trying to capitalize on the distrust of the vaccine. And they published an article with the headline, patient dies just after within hours of getting the vaccine. And then when you click it and you read the article, it says patient had COVID and was like in the ICU or in the hospital with COVID and dying from COVID when they gave him the vaccine as some last ditch effort to save him. That's right. a completely different story than patient dies after receiving vaccine. Right, yeah. But someone's gonna turn around and say, yeah, but that's not inaccurate what the, what the title said. And this is where you get into the idea of people essentially living in two different realities one where the spin is towards their ideological side and the other where the spin is against their ideological rivals. So there's, this is why I always hold this, this position. Like I'm going into a conversation knowing that I could be wrong. Right. I always assume that because it's always possible. The margin of error is always something I must consider. And right now, I don't think that we live in a society where a lot of people are that considerate. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I do feel like most people go into situations and they're right all the time, no matter what happens. And it's like, how do you go through life thinking that you're right all the time? How is that a thing that you can constantly get away with? Only in a reality, in my opinion, where you're protected from society by, or you're protected from nature by society, but that's a different conversation. And the sad thing is I understand why these news sources do this too. And I agree with you. It's sad that people can't open themselves up to being wrong. They have to openly pursue articles online that sort of confirm their bias. I know, I know I'm just finding confirmation bias right here, but it, it, it's a game to these content creators because that's really what they are first and foremost. They're content creators right. before they're journalists. Um, and it's, it's just sort of sad that what is the solution? Because we don't want to nationalize our news. We've seen problems all over the world when you nationalize news. That, that creates a whole slew of new problems. Let me ask uh, you this question about that. 
do you do you think that the news outlets, whether it's on the right or the left, are in in part some sort of a state news media outlet for things like the military industrial complex and things like big pharma? Uh, you know, it it seems like they've already become that in some ways. I think they can serve the state, but that's different than being nationalized. Like sure. it's very clear that if you go to one of the big three news stations, it's going to be serving an agenda. And there's very, I don't want to say this very clearly because it's not like, but it's really not difficult to dig to find ties between a news service and the political candidates that they are benefiting and, mm. and the results that you're getting. It's just a question of, would I ca- count those as nationalized? No, because they're still, mm. when, when you go to Fox News, you're still benefiting Murdoch more than the Republican Party. Right. Uh, when you go to CNN, you're benefiting, uh, well, I, don't, I don't know if Ted I think, Turner's still running it, but to, to Turner. Well, um, and that's why I think a lot of people who identify as Republicans are leaving the Fox News platform in a lot of ways for even what they consider more pure and ideologically aligning OANN and, uh, you know, what's the other one? News, News Max or something like that. Like it. They just have, they're starting to go in further into their ideological bunker, like we always talk about. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that people are interpreting events and crafting their own realities instead of coming to some sort of a consensus as to what's real and what isn't. And this goes all the way back to, you know, the late years of Bush, early years of Obama. Tea Partyism, Occupy Wall Street, and so on and so forth. Absolutely, it goes it goes all the way back to you. You can find a very clear sort of splat. I, I, I would say Tea Party is probably the best example of. Uh, well, maybe not because with Bush, it sort of introduced the neocons and a whole slew of Republicans who were like not my conservative. Uh, so, so as far as. I don't know. It's, it's well. That's what weren't, weren't weren't the the conservatives saying that Trump wasn't their conservative. I remember he was a he was a a, a wrecking ball to the traditional Republican establishment. The last that I remember, because they were trying to get people like uh, Rubio and Ted Cruz and like uh, I think one of the Bush kids or something like that. They were trying to push those dudes, and then Trump came in and was just like, "You're you're this, you're that." He started slapping people around, and they just fell in line. Like they just weenied up and <laughs> it was just like, all right, well, you know. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole wave of never Trumpers became, okay, maybe I can support Trump now. Um, I know there were still some that were I was going to say, there's still the, what, the Lincoln project or whatever of people who were like, yeah, they're Republicans, but they don't fuck with him at all. And Kelly and Conway's husband, he, 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 he was a never Trumper. He stayed a never Trumper all the way through. Kelly mm. Conway started as a never Trumper and then became his the, biggest yeah, ally. Right. Yeah. I guess one thing I do want to touch on, because we, we sort of mentioned it, is the, the idea of uh, ideological bunkers and echo chambers. I do try and give some leeway and forgiveness on that because it's not entirely self-made. When you go online and you indicate your interests and preferences, it's the job of the social media that you're on to keep you on their site for as long as possible. That's, that's their goal. It'd be a good and business the- model, right? And the best way to do that is to give you things that you want to see. So if you indicate that you have a right leaning, 
they're going to start giving you content creators on the right. And if they give you one content creator on the right, they're going to give you more and more. And you're going to slowly build up an entire list of people. And it's not just the right. I'm just using this as an example. And you're going to slowly build up an entire following and follower network of all of these Twitter newsletters of people who are pushing this uh, the news that you want to see. So you're going to stay on the site. You get the same thing on the left as well. Right. But And when you do fall down that rabbit hole, you then end up flirting with the more extreme sides of that political ideology because you just continue interacting with it more and more until it gets to the extreme. And you might define, okay, this is a little too far for me, but it's not necessarily offensive. So it's not going to drive me away from the site. I'm just not going to interact with it. And then you find that happy medium and it does ultimately become an echo chamber that if you do want to stray away from, you're most likely only going to stray more in the extreme direction of what you've indicated you're interested in. Right. Let me ask you this question, because we get then into this conversation of of choice and agency and all this type of stuff. If a business has to have a business model in order for them to succeed in which is detrimental to the person engaging in their business, is that business inherently immoral and should be prevented in some way? Because you know, I kind of come to this this point where it's like, it may be detrimental to you to be crafted such an ideological echo chamber and bunker to where you become an uninformed citizen, but it is still ultimately your choice, what you do with your time, where you put your eyes and how you act. So I'm not going to prevent the people who are who have that business model because they assume that a certain amount of people are gonna be susceptible to their business model. Uh, but I don't look at them as immoral. And I think a lot of people would say, well, no, uh, if, you're, if you're making the citizen less informed or more radicalized, I should be able to prevent you from doing so. Well, what do you think about that? Uh, it's a combination of things. I mean, it's ultimately, it's, it's all fair given the rules that we all operate on in our system, but you do have companies that as far as the research and development budget goes, are spending exorbitant amounts of money on studies on human psychology so that they can create a product that's as addictive as possible uh, without being physically addictive. Now, there obviously is personal responsibility. um, And the idea of creating a product that fits into someone's life effortlessly is not again inherently wrong but people can go in with ill intentions and i believe we have seen a plenty of ill intentions from large businesses because bottom line outweighs just about anything um so what are my thoughts on it um I don't know. It's a, it's like, it's, it's, it's not a black or white issue. It's, it's, it, there's responsibility on the consumer. There's responsibility on the producer. And we, I know this is like the, the, the least definitive answer imaginable, but I, I don't actually know what to do about it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't either. I don't, I don't, I think that's probably the best answer right now is that we don't know um, how to kind of really address that. But I think it's better than pretending you have a good answer and you really don't. Uh, I I hope we get to a point where people understand that a lot of the the institutions that are out there aren't here for our benefit, and they take advantage of the fact that in a certain percentage of numbers, you're going to get a percentage of people that will be susceptible to certain psychological ploys, marketing, and um, I'm everywhere all victim to it. It's just how aware are you that it's going on? Uh, 
I think we were at a point, I feel like in somewhere, I don't know, right after the financial crisis and stuff, people were kind of looking at it like, okay, well, we st we understand that we're built on a house of cards. We should be more skeptical. But then we, fe we fell into a, 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 you know, complacency and people allowed it to kind of become what it became again. And then I don't know where we are now with that understanding, but I feel like most people have kind of accepted, like I said, that they, they are sheep and that they simply just want to choose their shepherd and that way they'll be happy. So. And I think there is some legitimacy in that because what other choice do we really have? Even if you want to be a leader amongst sheep, you're still in that herd. Mm -hmm. uh, you can only, I mean, it's a sad reality and there are exceptions to the rule, but an, an overwhelming majority of people will only raise their station so far in life. And that's also not a problem either. I sort of hate the rise and grind mentality that have taken over because it creates this whole slew of pushing people even further down their station in life uh, because due, due to predatory practices of these people who are promising the future and this, this vision of true independence, all they're really doing is scamming you out of your hard-earned money so they right. can make a little extra on right. their fucking courses. I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent right now, but I yeah. don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about, I, I think I, I agree that people have just sort of accepted that they are a sheep and they just want to choose their shepherd. I also don't necessarily know if that's wrong I mean, if you have an entire planet of truly independent thinkers, obviously that's a beautiful thought, but I, who knows the, the reality of it. I know that historically, I know I'm rambling again, but I know that historically the idea of being a sheep was what got you into heaven and being a goat is what sent you to hell. I mean, it's right there in the Bible. When Mr. Rogers, I, I saw the, the documentary of Mr. Rogers when it came out and one of his last words was, do you think I'm a sheep? Uh, and it wasn't in a negative con context that we have today. It was him asking if his wife if she thought he was going to go to heaven. I mean, mm. it's wild that our pop culture zeitgeist has changed that to sheep is now an insult and goat is the greatest of all time when biblically speaking, sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've never claimed, uh, obviously, Christianity is, is my particular belief system, but there's such a large demographic of people who do that that mentality would be so prevalent, in my opinion, that you're going to see a, a clash between, let's say, people who want to be sheep and people who want to be ghosts. And the idea that they can coexist may not be, you know, so realistic. So... Yeah. And as far as you not prescribing the Christianity, I mean, it's still a large enough religion where acknowledging its uh, place in our planet is. Um, it's valuable. But here's the thing I'll say about that. And, and I don't, you know, these days I'm much more thoughtful with how I critique religion as opposed to just being absolutely disrespectful even though I'm not religious and I, I don't identify with, uh, you know, a particular religious belief. Yeah. There's, you know, what 1.8 billion Christians on the planet. I'm assuming that that idea of being uh, led by their shepherd to heaven is a very popular and attractive sentiment. Whereas in some people, you know, the idea of being the goat and establishing your legacy, everything associated with the ego, is everything. So it's, it's an interesting thing to assess. Well, 
my thought process is almost we have popularized the individual the uh the power of the individual the romanticism of the individual the power of the individual hero for generations upon generations even centuries i mean the romantic period uh was it think it was like 300 years ago or something like that i think it was uh, so as as far as the power of that individual hero uh and wanting to be the person that leads people rather than necess- rather than working together with the people and assimilating to people to grow together as one that's almost frowned upon uh mm. now gr- greater good uh sacrifice humility these these are things that people aren't actively pursuing i mean humility is only pursued by people who want to brag about how humble they are <laughs> yeah but isn't you know we fall into areas of assessing that in ideological trains that I find that people are guilty in that as well. Like when people say that they're vegetarian, it's like they have to remind you every day that they're vegetarian. And it's like, are you vegetarian because it's actually benefiting the animals or do you like the moral superiority complex it gives you? Because if you had never told me you were a vegetarian or a vegan or whatever the, you know, the particular act is, and you were just doing it, I would be more, this is me personally, right? I can't speak for everybody else, but I would be more interested in that person just doing it. Like, damn, that person never eats meat. That person never eats any animal products and he never told me about it. Hmm, wonder why they do that. And I'd be really interested. But if you're you're like, oh, you know, I'm a vegan and every day it's just like, you know, are you gonna be a vegan? Are you gonna not? It's like, why are you pushing this so hard? Just for that, I'm gonna go eat a big ass steak. You know what I'm saying? You know, like it it just seems like I'm more interested in people who don't seek the confirmation that they're humble or that they're virtuous or that it's like, oh, I'm Black Lives Matter. But it's like, what community do you live in? I guarantee you those people that you you scream about don't live where you live. So, you know, it, it I would like for people to be a little bit more aware of that, but I understand that that's not necessarily the case. So, you know, whatever. Well, you are calling for a level of self-awareness that requires deliberate effort. (laughs) No, for sure. Lastly, um, I know uh, this is Super Bowl week, and the last time we spoke, your your bills were playing, and they didn't fare too well. However, are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Oh, fuck no. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Fuck that. I mean... I didn't watch the NBA Finals. Yeah, I, I, I don't need to watch the Super Bowl. I think I'll... I think I'll live stream during it and try and steal more viewers away. Yeah, no, it's a smart move. Smart move. Yeah, no, I, I probably will have it on one of my screens, but I won't be paying attention to it too much. Maybe I'll play Madden during the Super Bowl and just live stream that. Yeah, that's not bad. You could always play some Star Citizen. I, I don't have the computer to play. I, I have a Mac, so I, I, I don't um, think this is powerful enough to play Star Citizen. Yeah, all the uh, the Mac listeners right now are just like, "Hey, don't you say anything bad about Mac?" I'm not. I use Mac to make music. It's not. I'm not Mac or PC. But I do remember when people were divided in the same way that they're Republicans and Democrats, that they were like Mac or PC, like anti-Mac or anti-PC. Do you remember that? Yeah, because I remember Justin Long was in the Mac commercials. He's like, "Hi, I'm a Mac," and they got that dorky guy. I'm a PC. I'm a PC. Yeah, it's like what? I don't understand. <laughs> well, anyway, we appreciate you guys listening in. Um, we got some pretty special interviews coming up for you real soon. Uh, we're back on the interview train, so expect a little bit more of those coming up in the next couple of weeks. You got anything for Marque? Yeah, I have. 
I, I, I've been journaling a lot lately and usually I don't like to share what I've been journaling, but I have a question for you mm-hmm. listeners. We, we definitely live in a society that values beauty above just about all else. So if it costs you, let's just say $50,000 to go to school or $50,000 to be the hottest person in your city, state, or country, what investment in yourself will get you further in your career? Interesting. I'm going to answer that question on the GU podcast chat channel. So if anybody wants to jump in that conversation with me, I'm definitely going to do that. But I think that's a fascinating question. I, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but a, a lot of people know what I value and I'm attracted to. Uh, and it has a lot more to do with intellect than physiology. So, you know, at the end of the day, that should be a fascinating conversation to have on the uh, podcast channel. So good question. Good question. Thank All right. You, thank you. Well, for the Gray and Gold podcast, my name is Graydon Square. I'm RK Gold. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. Peace, peace.